to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hi, Jody. Hello, Eleni. Great to see you. Great to see you too. How are you? I am good. I find the timing of recording this intro for Ian's episode really interesting because today's actually his birthday. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Happy birthday. By the time you hear this, Ian, happy belated birthday. (laughs) Well, today we are finishing our artistry and influencing theme with, of course, Ian Michael Crum, and he is a celebrity esthetician and a co-host of the Beauty Curious podcast. And we've actually had the privilege of working with Ian for years now, kind of watching his influencer journey through different partnerships we've done with our clients at Base Beauty and uh, different events we've been at together. So uh, I'm really excited for this story. I know Ian also mentions in the episode that he grew up in Pennsylvania, and that's where I'm from. Jody, have you had any recent trips to the Keystone State? In fact, I have. Um, I did go to college there, um, and Alini and I went to the same school, albeit at different times. But a few weekends ago, I went with a friend to Pennsylvania to learn about orienteering, which is when you learn to use a compass and a special map, and it's almost like gamified hiking. Your like goal is to find the flags faster than anybody else, and sometimes you're even orienteering in the dark, wearing headlamps. Oh my gosh, that sounds incredible. I'm going to have to check it out. I have never heard that term. I'm always learning something new on this show, and Ian is going to teach us so much. He really is so incredible about teaching. He is like somebody I just really look up to. Every time I see him, I tell him how proud I am of him because you can just see the hard work, right? Like with some people... I think they don't really let you in on their process of developing their talents um, and their network. But Ian is so open and really allows himself to be vulnerable, which I think is beautiful. And he talks in this episode about why he chose to go to school to be an esthetician, right? He could have been a skincare influencer without that certification, but he really wanted to invest in himself. And it's such a beautiful story. And it really speaks to his commitment to sun safety and also having fun with skincare. That's amazing. I love it. Let's jump in and get to this great chat. Here is Ian Michael Crum, episode 241. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. We are a career journey podcast talking about what it's like to define success and reach for it in the beauty and wellness industries. Today, we are finishing our artistry and influencing theme with Ian Michael Crum, a celebrity esthetician and co-host of the Beauty Curious podcast. Ian is all about separating the facts from the fads, combining his love for education and beauty. He is committed to using his knowledge as an esthetician and platform to create change. His passion is promoting the benefits of year-round sun safety and skin cancer prevention. Ian is here to provide the need-to-know skincare topics tips and tricks for all skin types because skincare is not one size fits all. I'm excited to dive into the conversation about his career journey from blogging to influential skincare education all on episode 241. Hello Ian, welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Hi Jody. thank you for having me. <laughs> so we get to see each other a lot, which makes me very happy. Me too, I just saw you the other week at the WWD forum. Yep. Full disclosure, my team works with Ian. They adore Ian. They're friends with Ian. Like everybody loves Ian. So we talk and get to see and spend time with Ian quite a bit. And I'm so happy to have you on the show. And you are a podcaster now. So this is super cool to have you on my show. I want to know what you're noticing is different in the way that we're recording today versus what you've been doing. So I have Beauty Curious Podcast, which I launched, as you know, with Dr. Elise Love. She's a dermatologist in New York. 
we both have pretty crazy schedules and we knew going into this project together that it would flop if we didn't have a lot of people helping us. So we brought on a production company to help us with editing and and we go to their studio normally and record their near Bryant Park. So we meet up and record in studio. So yeah, I haven't done a podcast live on Instagram before, but I'm I'm always down to try new things. Well, we used to record in person before COVID, which I loved. And then of course we moved to doing it remotely. And then I started to love that too. Obviously it's cool to be in front of people, but it just made scheduling so much easier. Yeah. Right? To do it remote. Yeah. I, we, I mean, we'll, we might start doing it remote eventually, but since it is a new venture, we've enjoyed getting together in person and having that rapport, especially having two co-hosts, you know, kind of giving each other like the look, like, are you going to talk next? Am I going to talk next? Just so we don't sound clunky. But it's been a really fun process. I'm so proud of you for starting that. And you have so many incredible initiatives. We'll get to many of them. So let's start in the very, very, very beginning, though, Ian. This is a career journey show. And for a lot of us, we get ambitious very young. So when you were like 10, 11 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? My earliest career ambition was to be a chef. I found creativity in cooking kind of therapeutic as well. So I... Um, yeah, I wanted to be a chef. Everyone in my family knew anytime someone would get me a present, you know, for a holiday or whatnot, it would be something kitchen related. My parents got me a like a KitchenAid mixer once and I was just obsessed with cooking. So uh, I actually went to a few culinary classes with my mom when I was younger. And I wanted to do that for, I don't know, probably like six years. And then realized, oh, I really love cooking, so maybe I shouldn't spoil it. And I didn't want to work really weird long hours. <laughs> like now, I work weird long hours all the time. But that—that that was my first career ambition was to be a chef. Okay, so from chef to SD and influencer, this, is a, this feels like a big leap, big jump. How did you get from that passion to what you're doing now? Basically, I got into skin when I was in high school. I had mild acne. Not, you know, anything crazy, but I did have some and I was always very meticulous. Like I was the kid that my mom has always taken amazing care of me. But, you know, I'd be like, oh, mom, can I go get a pedicure with you? Can I get my hair cut? It's looking like a little shabby. You know, I was just very to the T with the things. So when I started, I noticed there was a couple bumps around my eye, actually, like down here, which ended up being Milia. I had no clue what Milia was at the time. And she took me to the derm. Those were extracted. And because I had mild acne, they recommended a light chemical peel. And that was kind of my gateway into skin. How old were you at this point? I think I was either a freshman or a sophomore in high school. I'd always been into beauty since I was little, like just hair products and getting pedicures with my mom, all all the things. I'd always gravitated towards beauty products. uh, But in terms of the skin itself that was my gateway. And shortly after I like, subscribed to one of the dermatologist journals, somehow I, I must have been searching online. I'm not sure. My mom was like, what did you what did you subscribe to? I took my debit card and like, I don't know, it was probably like $100 a quarter a year. It was something like, you know, wild, but I'm like, I love, you know, I want to read about the skin. So I did that. And in high school, from there, I started taking advanced calculus and other advanced placement classes because I in my gut thought I was going to go pre-med to be a derm or plastic. Um, and then 
through a conversation with my great aunt realized that I can sit still if I need to, but I like to not sit still. And I just came to this realization that if I were to do med school, I might drive myself a little crazy and I didn't want to be in an office forever. Now, you know, there's germ influencers and the the whole industry has been fastly evolving, but probably 16, maybe even 17 years ago, I, uh, that wasn't a reality. So I didn't do that. And I ended up through a conversation with my grandmother, who I'm very close to, anyone that follows me likely knows that and knows that I call her Glammy because she's so glamorous. Uh, through a conversation with Glammy, she recommended I go in for communications, specifically PR. So I ended up going for communications and marketing, um, but through being in college, fell into the to the blog world. So um, let's continue on. I want to shout out to Glammy because it is so amazing that a young person is going to take advice from someone who has a lot of wisdom. Sometimes as young people, we, we don't take the advice from the people who actually have the wisdom. So kudos to you, Ian, for actually paying attention there. Thank you. It's um, really beautiful because people who have lived a lot have a lot to offer us. Absolutely. She's very close. We're very close. So the world of influencing when you were in college was blogging and vlogging, right? So where did you start? Yeah, so I, technically I started blogging in high school. My friend from high school, Jordan, she was taking a photography class. We both were also taking a few art classes. And she got assigned some photography assignment and she asked me to model for her. So I did. And then we started having so much fun with that. We started doing just fashion shoots on the side, like on weekends, just because it was a creative outlet. And I've always also have loved clothes since I was younger. So we started doing fashion shoots together and started a a throwback Tumblr page um, (laughs) together in high school and, and did that. I think basically our last year of high school, maybe a part of our junior year. And so I was kind of used to posting and, you know, back then MySpace, Facebook, I was used to being on social media. So when I I moved from York, Pennsylvania to Philadelphia, I went to Drexel University. When I moved, I started my personal blog website almost immediately. Drexel's very career oriented and like semester one, we were in our co-op internship 101 class and they were like, get on LinkedIn. So I got on LinkedIn and was always on social in in high school. So it was kind of a fun new venture being on a professional social media. And my blog at the time, in my eyes, was just a visual, an additional visual representation of that. I actually started my high school's fashion show through the National Honor Society. So at that point, even though I was going for communications marketing in my brain I thought that I wanted to produce fashion shows for a living so when I first entered college that was where my mind was and I got involved with two fashion shows one through a prominent event planner in Philadelphia and I spent my second half of my freshman year kind of helping with back-end production of this show and so my blog at the time became this hodgepodge of just things I was doing fashion I liked helping with this show. I had started freelancing or uh, contributing to the school newspaper at Drexel. And it just was kind of where I dumped everything. And it was my little visual LinkedIn. And an early mentor of mine, he's a photographer in Philadelphia. It was probably almost a year in, maybe not quite. I met him out on the social scene, out networking in Philadelphia. And he made a comment to me one day, 
that I was very stylish and that I should blog about what I wore. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so I kind of ran with that. And I started not posting on my blog about these other things I was doing. And it started to become very like personal style blogging, which back in 2012, 2013 was huge, especially before Instagram became Instagram. And now obviously TikTok being TikTok. But uh, yeah, I, I was updating a physical WordPress blog multiple times a week. And Instagram really was just this secondary thing that was was just a personal account at first and then kind of pivoted over the years. So when did you go from blogging about things that you do and, you know, your personal style to saying to yourself, there's a career path here? So after I had shifted to being very intentional with like, oh, I'm blogging about what I wore and I'd kind of go about to different events um, in Philadelphia, and I talk about that at times, but it all centered around this kind of lifestyle, fashion-based content. And I remember I was at my first co-op, so Drexel, you based, I was in a five-year program, you go to school full-time, and then if you're in the co-op program, you your second year start a co-op. So I was interning full-time for six months, and I'm taking like one online class, and then the next six months, you're back to school full-time. So it becomes a year-long school like situation versus a traditional university and I was at my first co-op and I just remember like looking down and my phone was dinging and it was a Twitter notification and I was like what is this and I I clicked it and it was from Racked Philadelphia R-A-C-K-E-D. Racked used to be a like very fat like a fashion publication based out of New York uh same conglomerate as Eater and Curbed if you know like the the Eater the what the food website Eater and the real estate website Curbed, they used to have one called Racked that was all fashion-based. And they had a Philly subdivision, Racked Philly. And the Twitter notification went to this blog post that was profiling my blog and talking all about me. And I was like, you know, what? (laughs) I had no clue it was happening. And it was very complimentary, you know, short and sweet, but linked my blog and just said really nice things. So I got some, you know, extra blog traffic from that. And it was just like this first aha moment, like, oh, you know, I had seen people on the back end of my site, like, oh, yeah, people are looking at this. But, you know, you kind of, I guess, just never know who's looking. And the editor at the time wrote this profile. So shortly after, I saw on their site that they were looking for contributors. And I had already been writing for the school newspaper. So I took one of my articles that I wrote for the school newspaper and sent it to Julian. I had already emailed her and thanked her for the profile and basically pitched myself to be a contributor. And I ended up becoming the Philadelphia men's style writer for Racked Philadelphia. And then that just kind of started snowballing. I started freelancing for other publications. I did a few things for Edge Media Network at one point. I did a few uh, fashion-based interviews for Philly.com, which is the Inquirer, Philadelphia Inquirer and some other places so it just kind of started snowballing and yeah so that was that was the one aha moment and then I'd say the second aha moment where I was like oh wait no this is actually a thing I as I mentioned earlier I grew fond of LinkedIn my first my first quarter at Drexel and I this was after Racked I believe but not far after I got a LinkedIn message from a marketing agency that at the time was representing Shop Bop and East Dane, which are like male-female fashion websites. I think since then they've been acquired by Amazon, but at the time they were independent. And they ran their banner advertising for 
for those those websites, and they asked me to join their Eastain banner advertising program. So they became my first advertiser on my site. And then that was truly the aha moment where I was like, oh, wait, okay. I mean, I wasn't making much money, but it was, you know, a couple dollars here, a couple dollars there. And it was essentially like a retainer that I got put on for, I think it ended up being a few years that that program ran. So those were the two moments where I was like, oh, this is a thing happening. So social media was so simple back then. Um, Now it's so complex. So if I if we fast forward from that moment where you're really driving your growth because of the focus of your content, right, and being, you know, recognized for it, to the complexities of what you do now, it's like a completely another life. Yeah, very <laughs> different. Very different. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the, the world you're in now. You are a licensed esthetician. Yes. Right. When did you go to get that license and why? It, oh gosh, the ever since COVID, the years start blurring together, but it's approaching three years. I had been considering it before COVID and ended up taking classes like in the early onsite of COVID happening. I basically hit a point over, so I was in fashion, fashion content, but then I would always talk about beauty at various times and started shifting my content more and more beauty because I've always loved fashion, but I just was like, I need a switch. And, you know, as I mentioned before, I thought I wanted to be a derm in high school. So talking about beauty and treatments and all of that was engaging for me. So I started getting more questions, DMs, people asking about the treatments I was doing, or what does this do? What product should I try? You know, what can help me with my acne? And, and you know, just standard skincare questions that we all get and see on the internet. And I got to this point after being in content for so long that I think I've been well, I've always tried to have myself well read, you know, I used to subscribe to that derm journal in high school and would read other posts and have asked dermatologists for years now their opinions on different topics. So I never thought that I was replying with incorrect information to people, but I started just to feel a little uneasy, like, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe I need a credential for this. So that's really what prompted getting my aesthetics license. And when I started the process, I didn't actually think I would practice at all because it was just me giving myself some comfort in, you know, all these, you know, people asking for various tips and not wanting to direct them in the wrong way. But through that process, I really grew to like treatments. There's, for me, it's this whole therapeutic energy exchange. It's a very intimate experience. I mean, more so than a massage, you're physically touching all over someone's face. So through schooling and practicing on friends and, and just learning about aesthetics, and I had personally had a ton of facials in the past as well from different providers was like oh I really enjoy this and I like the result of oh someone feels really relaxed you make them feel more confident or more beautiful in the moment or relaxed because they had a stressful day so I didn't even think I would practice at all but through that process realized oh this is enjoyable but then bringing it back to my comment I realized with my great aunt when I was in high school I do like mixing things up so I didn't do like a hard pivot and be like, okay, all of a sudden I'm a full-time esthetician and like book me in a spa. It still is a kind of sporadic, goes in waves thing where I do do facials, but I've, I've by no means have left the internet world of doing partnerships or now I have the podcast um, or sometimes I'm working on producing events. 
So I definitely like to mix it up. But, you know, in terms of the reasoning why I went and got the license was through this internal feeling of, oh, I've, I really want that credential. That way, when I'm recommending a product or a service or a technique to someone that I personally felt confident in that response. And now I have background noise. I hope you don't, I, I live in, I live across from a hospital. So there's randomly like an ambulance a siren. So hopefully that's not too loud. Okay. So I want to share something with you. And I don't know if I ever told you this. But oh no. <laughs> okay. It is so it is so amazing that you took the time to get your esthetician license. Like I understand that your desire was to just make sure you're answering the questions right and to serve your, your fans well. But what it's allowed you to do in your career is as an influencer is beyond what you could have been doing if you didn't have this license. And I'm sure you're, you know that because you see it in other creators, right? There's the creators who are, what we call them consumer influencers, and then there's the professionals. And as someone who works with brands all the time, like the voice of the professional is so important. So I just, I'm so proud of you for having that instinct. And I know it takes a lot of time and money to get that license, but that was a real investment in your future. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, ever since the last two, three years have been different than pre, pre-license. And yeah, it, it's been an exciting journey thus far. So I'm, I'm really glad that I did that as well. Because I, I think, you know, if you're not challenging yourself, it, it can get pretty boring. Uh, this isn't confirmed, but I, I started looking at classes because I'm in the weeds with like reading cosmetic labels and and asking cosmetic chemist friends about ingredients and questions. So you know, my next kind of thought is, oh, maybe I need to take a chemistry, like a, a new chemistry class, a cosmetic chemistry class and, and, and see like where I can challenge myself. But anyway, I digress. I'm <laughs> yeah, I love this investment in yourself, Ian, because as you know, as we all know, there's so much garbage out there. Um, social media is a, re- a great place if you want to spread garbage around. So a lot of misinformation, a lot of people doing foolish things and just thinking that it's, okay because they see it online so to be part of the squad of experts trying to bust those um, myths and lies whatever it takes I encourage you to do it because it will be worth the effort in the end for sure even though I I would imagine a chemistry class or classes would be brutal I think I'm just gonna do I think I'm just gonna take one I can't do a whole degree just just so just a just an overview of some sorts I want you to let me know how it's going after you start, because I'm sure that I don't know that my brain could be in a classroom ever again. So. <laughs> I've always I've always loved school. You know, after a while, it's like, OK, I need to get out of class. But there's something fun about school to me. So, OK, let's talk about life as an influencer. Right. Do you, you have a career. You're your own boss. You have hire people to support you in the content creation. Like you can't just do it alone. So this is a real job. This isn't a hobby. So can you actually just give us a sense of what a day in your life is like? Yeah, I get asked this question quite a lot. (laughs) And my normal response is it depends on the week. Last week was really hectic. You know, I, I, yeah, it was last week. I saw you at the WWD forum and, you know, spoke there with LTMD. And then the next day I was doing facials with beauty editors and in between that was editing podcast content. So it definitely depends on the week. Uh, thankfully, this week is a little lighter, so I can recoup from the craziness of last week. But on a given day, you know, every single day, and even on weekends, sometimes I'm talking with my managers. I'm with a management company, Friends with Benefits. 
my friend Morgan started it a few years ago. We actually know each other from high school, so she knows me very well. And her business partner, Katie, um, who I know you know, Katie, she, I, I speak with both of them every day just about strategy to what projects do we have going on, what deliverables or, you know, things do they need from me. And it took me a really long time to get in a TikTok groove, but I've been posting daily for two months now. So at some point during the day, I'm filming something for TikTok because uh, I'm really trying to be consistent there. But it's a mix of filming, ideating content. If I'm having a facial day, you know, I might be doing back-to-back facials with a brand for, for editors, or I might have a private client and need to go to their house or travel. I do travel with a few clients uh, for projects. So it is, it is a tricky question, but, uh, definitely filming for TikTok, definitely talking to my managers. And my brain gets a lot of creative ideas every single day. So trying to keep myself in check with what deserves time and what needs to get written in a book and kind of sit there for a while because I've found myself, I'm getting better at it. I found myself certain years, especially like five years ago, where I'd have all these ideas and kind of start little projects and then kind of be like, oh, what's what's the point of that? Or how does this fit with that? Ever since getting my license, I really made sun safety and skin cancer prevention part of my platform. My grandmother, Glammy, almost died from melanoma years ago. So I've been very cognizant of skin cancer since I was younger. And after getting my license, I joined the Skin Cancer Foundation Committee, Gala Committee. And, you know, so now I kind of look at a lot of projects through that lens. There's a few other lenses that I look at skin cancer talking kind to yourself and this like you know idea of just like aging gracefully i know that's become a trend now everyone's like no anti anti don't want to say anti-aging and you know i think the whole idea of re-looking at the beauty world and and speaking to consumers in a positive light is amazing so there's a few filters i look through when i start a project that would influence my day-to-day thoughts with what i'm working on but yeah content facials podcast planning Sometimes events, I like to produce events and that takes a lot of time if I I have one going on. So yeah, I'm going to get in the weeds if I keep rambling about my day to day, but definitely depends on the week. Uh, This is a good segue to the last topic for this part of the show, which is the seduction of success. So this idea that if you're an ambitious person, which I am, and you have a lot of ideas, which I do, once I get a taste of success, like reaching one goal, I want more, right? It's like sugar, right? I just need more and more calls to me, but I don't want to work all day, right? But the seduction is real, like it's calling me. So I would imagine like every time you get like a win with a with a brand that you've really wanted to work with a while or a certain type of content exceeds what your goals were, you get this sort of feeling you get a hit of like wow that's what success feels like I want more so how do you balance this and how do you speak to that seducing voice inside your head to make sure that you are pursuing your goals but you're also like a human being beyond your work yeah it's very very challenging I do put a lot of pressure on myself and I agree the seduction of success is a thing thankfully now a lot of what I speak upon and post about, you know, it's beauty or wellness, getting treatment. So there is some bonuses in my day to day with, with kind of taking care of my body and, and doing like upkeep and things that keep me mentally calm. But for that seduction, it's a very new practice, but I've started giving myself out of office days, 
you know, if you have a nine to five, you know, you get however many vacation days or sick days. When you own your own business, you have to give them to yourself. And for years, I never did that. Obviously, you'd hit a day where you're like, oh, but instead of waiting to that point of exhaustion or just feeling like I absolutely can't do anything today, I'm trying to be proactive in giving myself time to fully unplug. Like I said, it's a very new practice, but how I'm doing it is I look at the dates coming up and I'll pick one that makes sense for me to have time off and I first alert my managers, like, this is the day I'd like off. Please do not book anything. Please divert all projects around this date. And then still, it's hard on your days you give yourself off. I've heard from friends that own their own businesses. Oh, yeah, it's hard not to look at my email or check social notifications. Um, so it's definitely something I'm working on, but trying to just turn. I mean, I haven't had notifications on my phone outside of phone calls and text message for for years. I don't allow social notifications on my phone. I think I'd drive myself crazy. But allowing yourself that mental time is a challenge. And I think how I successfully do it is to plan something like a wellness. Maybe I'll get a massage on my on my day off or do something else. And then it, I think paired with that, it's making sure you're talking kind to yourself. Last week, was, as I mentioned before, I had facials and had a public speaking engagement and there was a bunch of things going on and I do thrive off of that energy, but it can be exhausting. And then at the end of the week, I almost felt like I was on this like come down from some sort of natural high of being very stimulated. And then I almost felt weird because I was not, you know, in the middle of a podcast recording or do, or doing some sort of project. And uh, you just have to be cognizant of the inner voice and, and, telling yourself to be kind to yourself because mo- we normally are our worst critics. So, you know, that, that's what I'm trying to do. But it's a it's a work in progress. Well, that is an awesome place for us to land. Ian, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with our listeners. Okay, we're going to move on to our fan questions. There's a lot of them here. Let me see which one I'm going to pick first. I like this one. Gifting ideas for the holidays, Ian. What skincare tools do you think like are really giftable? So there's this new tool that I've started using called the Omni Herrea. It's a gold-plated like facial gua sha, but it has a couple, the way it's shaped, it has like a ball on the end, so you can kind of get in there and roll the eyes with it. So yeah, I really like that tool. I've been I've been testing it and using it in some of my facials, and it's gold-plated, so it looks really bougie. So it's, it's kind of something that, okay, you might not buy yourself, but for the holidays, for a gift, it's... It's a fun thing to receive for sure. Is that a like a tool with like a battery or it's just all No. Oh, it's just it's, using your hands. Yep. Got yeah. it. And it comes in a beautiful wrapping, so it's like gift bag ready if you want to get it and throw it in a gift bag with some tissue, it'll look really chic. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay, I love that. Let's talk about a a goop product. Like can you gift skincare to somebody? Wait, a goop product? You know, what not you sorry, not goop the brand. I mean like you know, a jar of product or, you know, cream, goop. Like, you know, can you, you can gift a tool because I feel like that's for any skin type, but can you gift, you know, something that's like a jar of cream or something that's topical? I think if you know the person and you know their skin, like you could, it gets a little intricate to do that. Body products are great. You know, most mm-hmm. body products are pretty universal. There's this new dermal serum by Protégère that I really like. It's just like a really lightweight serum. I'm I'm way better now that I'm licensed, but you know, years ago I would always moisturize my face, but the body I feel like we forget, or it's oh, there's so much surface to cover, or, or like 
standard body lotion sometimes has like a sticky or like heavy feel, especially guys like tend to not like any like the feeling of having anything on. So I really like this dermal serum because it soaks in super fast and then it's like you didn't put anything on, but your skin feels better. Love that. Oh, wow. This is a big question. Let's go back to after college. When you first started out after school, what were your goals for your career? So by the time I was finishing Drexel, I had had a bunch of internships. I think I had seven during my time at college because I was in the five-year co-op, which would have three co-op but I split two of them. So I had five, but then I did two other internships outside of that and my blog and writing. So I had kind of dabbled the waters in a, a plethora of things. And I had started making money with my site and just like social media and, and freelance projects. So I came to this point of, okay, yeah, what do I do? Do I try to keep all this going, but go get a full-time job? I was essentially making enough to like get by, but I wasn't having too much extra. And I told myself, keep going. And I definitely had moments of what is happening? What am I doing? <laughs> you know, it's very, it was very like this for a while. And I was still living in Philadelphia. And I remember, I think I, it was just over a year, about a year and a half after graduating, I was home in York. And I woke up one day and I just was like, I need to move to New York. I was coming here for work and I was coming uh, for different you know, to see friends. And I felt like I had done a lot of great work in Philadelphia, but from a career standpoint, didn't know, I didn't know what was next. I wanted to keep doing my own thing, but I didn't have a clear path as to what that was going to be, but I just kind of kept in motion. And so my goal was really just to keep in motion and keep it, keep it going and figure it out as I tried new things. And I just kept trying a bunch of new things. And thankfully after moving to New York. So this was a year and a half, two years after graduating, landed on some freelance projects, and I was still doing my content and I had signed with a manager. So, you know, there was other work coming in that I wasn't getting when I wasn't signed with a manager. But I also found like a this one freelance project that gave me some security, you know, it wasn't a full paycheck, but it was like, okay, you know, like, I'm, I'm good, I can, I can keep this going. So yeah, it was definitely a let me see where this goes. But my goal was let's keep going and see where this goes. <laughs> I love that. Oh my god, yeah. that's such a great um thought, right? You just put your head down and keep going. Okay, last question. You probably get this question all the time. I don't know if you can answer this. Can you pick one favorite sunscreen? Oh, okay. I was like, is she gonna say what's my skincare routine? And then I was gonna be like, right, Oh well, my we god. We don't have forty minutes, Ian. So. I, know, I know. Everyone's always like, Oh, like Great skin, like, what are you doing? And my favorite response is, what am I not doing? I'm trying, like, everything and every treatment to be able to tell someone if I think it's good or not. Uh, my favorite sunscreen, there are so many. I love LTMD. I use UV Clear or UV Sheer kind of at the same level. But I'm always trying new sunscreens. I think skincare in general, it's such a case-by-case -case thing, you know, like, what works for me might not work for someone else. So my whole goal, especially with sunscreen, isn't get this sunscreen, it's get sunscreen. So I like to talk about a lot of sunscreens. I like to recommend a lot of sunscreens, knowing someone's skin type, their personal preference. Um, but if you're making me answer, I think actually lately I've been using UV Sheer more. So I'll, I'll vote that from LTMD. Well, yeah. you inspired me today because um, as I was getting ready for our show, I put on the lip balm, the MD Solar Sciences. Oh, it's, um, I don't know if I've... 
I don't know if I've tried. I've tried MB Solar Sciences. I don't know if I've tried their lip balm though. Well, it's a shimmer, hydrating, sheer lip balm. So I just put it over my lipstick actually, mm. and I I haven't been that great about wearing lip balm, sunscreen lip balm. So I'm I think I'm pretty good at doing it in my face, but I forget about my lips. So I was influenced. Lips, lips and ears. Mm-hmm. Lips and ears. I've so many derm friends have said they removed melanoma like skin cancers from inside of the ears especially on guys because you think even if you're putting sunscreen on your face so many people don't touch their ears so i always say after you apply your sunscreen for anyone listening the remnants on your fingertips gently go in your ear and dab and like literally go in there don't shove it in but put the remnants on your ear you'll thank yourself your ears down the line I love it. And that's a great way for us to conclude. Thank you so much to Ian Crum. Thank you, you Jody. Episode 241 of our podcast. I'm so honored. I had a great time. I'm like, I thought, I'm like, how, the, how is it over already? Let's you keep know, going. <laughs> and for everyone else, thank you so much for listening in. If you like this episode, please rate and review. As always, make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast platform and Instagram to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and all the fun we have along the way. Ian, a pleasure as always to hang out with you. I hope to see you in real life soon. Thank you, Jody. Thank and you, I'll everybody. See you soon. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.